Good evening, everybody. How you doing? So good, so good. Welcome to the tent. The vision of Mercy Culture is to take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. That was such an incredible corporate encounter. Um, I, I felt when we were right at the, the end of worship there, I felt that the same intensity, the same tenacity of us entering into the presence of God into that corporate encounter he was going to release into the, the daily personal encounter this week. So I want you guys to take that into this week and, and go with tenacity and, and seeking the Lord. Uh, he wants to meet with you every single day. Uh, and if, if you want to learn more about how to connect with God every day, you can go through Connect. You can text Connect to 59090. You can start the process, uh, meet up with one of our connectors, and uh, you can take some, some online assessments and go through a few video courses. Then you actually get a one-on-one -on -one appointment with uh, some of the people on our Connect team, and uh, they will encourage you. They will give you prophetic words, and they will show you how you best connect with God. And uh, sometimes that could look like through nature and creation. That could look like encountering God through remembrance. And that's, that's the best way that I connect with the Lord is simply by remembering all that he's done. Uh, and it's like I get to encounter him all over again from the same thing. Uh, so I'd encourage you guys, go through Connect if you haven't done that already. Uh, if you'd like the notes for this evening, you can text notes to 59090. Follow along there through the Bible app. And tonight we have a special guest. Y'all may have heard <laughs> Pastor Abe Smith is with us tonight. And uh, before, before you come up here, I just want to introduce him, share a little bit about him. So I felt so honored to get to do this. Uh, Pastor Abe is like a spiritual father to me. And uh, he, if it wasn't for him, I, I don't feel like I would be where I am today. Uh, and I, I want you guys to understand the, the weight that he carries. I want you to understand his gifting as a teacher as he comes up here. I, I felt the Lord to say, be ready and expectant. So just right in this moment, just ready your hearts. Be expectant for the, the message and the teaching that he has to impart to you tonight. Uh, I want to share one last thing. Uh, I, re I remember my, my favorite uh, memory of Pastor Abe uh, back in 2020, came up to the church, and I just asked if I could, you know, be mentored or I don't really know what I was asking for. just wanted to hang out with him, really. And I, I found myself at the Fort Worth campus, we're outside in the parking lot, sweeping up trash, picking up broken glass. And I remember looking back on that uh, as one of the, the greatest moments of just learning how to do ministry uh, than, than I've ever learned before. And you might be wondering, how is that even possible? Uh, but I think it's a, a real testament to uh, his servant heart and, and really just who he is as a father that I could be picking up trash and learn how to do ministry. Uh, that's the that's the kind of man that he is. So we have a value of honor. If you guys would please stand to your feet, welcome Pastor Abe Smith. All right, all right. I am so honored to be here today. Let's just take a moment. Let's really just focus our hearts on the Father because we all came to hear Him, right? All right. So Father. We focus our hearts on you. We focus our eyes on you. You're a good father. You're so merciful. You're so gentle and loving. We thank you, Father. 
Father, we're here to hear from you. Speak to your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Real quick, I feel like God wanted me to say a couple things to a couple people real quick. I'm not sure your first name. I think it's Brenner. Brenner. I felt like God wanted me to tell you that he does have great things for you. And you're in a season right now of learning how to let patience have its perfect work. So don't give up. Let patience have its perfect work. Okay? He's going to do some great things with you. Emmanuel, God's got you in a season where he's teaching you how to give up everything. But the good news, he told me to give you some good news. When you come to the end of yourself, that's when he gives you all of him. It's good. And then one more uh, mercy shirt with a little red emblem. I don't think I've ever met you before, but I felt like God gave me a vision of you having words of knowledge that work in connection to healing. So that's an invitation for you. I don't know if you've ever uh, operated in that way before, but that's an invitation for you to really believe God to start moving in words of knowledge. That's knowing something that you can't possibly know. And what that does is when you, when you uh, start moving in that and, and people see that you know something that you couldn't possibly know, all of a sudden it inspires faith in their hearts to, for healing. And that's when the healing comes in, and it's just like this supernatural uh, power duo, words of knowledge and healing. And I feel like God's inviting you into that. That's it. Jordan, I have no recollection of sweeping up glass or picking up garbage with you. I don't remember that one bit. All right. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Abe Smith. I am one of the pastors and elders at Mercy Culture Church, and I just feel so grateful to be a part of what God's doing. Like, I can't understand why he chose me to be able to be a part of this. I'm so grateful. What a wonderful thing that God's allowed me to do. Ryan and I, my wife, Ryan, she's on the front row right up here. Uh, She's also a pastor and elder at Mercy Culture Church, right along with me. She uh, runs most of the church. A lot of people don't know that. She hates it when I tell people that, but it's true. This place runs because of her. It's awesome. Uh, oh, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. So Ryan and I, we were going to go start a church up in Seattle, Washington, right outside of Seattle. And all of a sudden, Pastor Landon and Heather moved to town told us what they were doing, and God told us to stay and help them. And we were like, what? Are you kidding me? Father, we're out of here. We're going to start a church. I felt like you told me that I was supposed to go start a church. And, and, and out of great reluctance, but sheer obedience to the Father, we said yes. And then we felt like we wrecked our lives. <laughs> We felt like we had just thrown away the future that God had promised us. And then we went to the first team night. And we felt the presence of God like we hadn't felt in years. We heard the worship coming in these waves of glory. And we knew that this was our family. And then look what God has done. It started in Fort Worth. Now we're in Waco. Someday we'll be in Dallas. We'll be around the world. God has done great things. And he's chosen you to be a part of it. Come on.
on. There is going to be no end of opportunities to serve the Lord. He has given us favor. We're in a season of building. We're going to extend territory wherever God tells us to, and it's going to be good. We're in for a great adventure. Amen? Amen. All right, we're here to talk about the gifts of the Spirit this morning. But before we begin, guys, why don't you just roll the video real quick? The video I sent you, go ahead and roll it real quick. I'm kidding. I'm joking with you guys. I didn't send him a video. You see their hearts drop. They're like, oh, he didn't send us a video. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They're going to get me back now. They're going to make my mic squeal or something. At a... I'm sorry. Please forgive me. We're here tonight to talk about the gifts of healings. And uh, you find these, we're, we're in a series on the gifts of the Spirit. We're talking about the nine gifts. They're found in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 7. They are these, wisdom, the supernatural application of God's word. Knowledge, the supernatural ability to know and understand the mysteries of heaven and earth. I talked to you about that mercy shirt guy. Let's meet afterwards. <laughs> Faith, the ability to believe God for the impossible. Healing, the journey of wholeness of a person's mind, body, or spirit to operate in the way God intended. Miracles and supernatural power, that's the manifestation of the impossible. Prophecy, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to edify, warn, announce, or reveal the future. Discerning between spirits, the ability to know by which spirit a person is motivated, and the ability to know what spirit is in operation. Tongues, the ability to pray the mysteries of God and strengthen the spirit of a man through a heavenly language. And the interpretation of tongues, that's the supernatural ability to understand and receive revelation from in a language you did not learn. What are the five W's of the gifts of the spirit? Who are they for? They are for everyone. Okay. Which one of you, show of hands, is everyone? Oh, come on. Most of you know who you are. These gifts are for you. What are the gifts of the Spirit for? They're spiritual tools to advance the kingdom and expand territory. Where are the gifts from? The gifts are from God because he loves us. And when were these gifts given? After Jesus ascended on the day of Pentecost. And why are they important? Because it's the power to expand territory. And God has called us into the beginning of a season of expanding territory that will not stop until Jesus returns. Amen? So the gift of healings is what we're here to talk about tonight. So what is the gift of healing? The gift of healing is exactly what it sounds like. It's the ability to heal people. Okay, it's the ability to administer the power of God to bring healing to people's minds, bodies, emotions, spirits. It's all these things combined. It's the power of God flowing through us to bring healing. So it's very simple. Uh, and there's a lot of different kinds of gifts of healing, okay? So there's a lot of manifestations that comes in. How many of you have ever been around a person who was really, really good at growing people's legs out? Huh? And every single thing that happens in a person's life, they're like, oh, one of your legs is probably shorter than the other. Let's grow it out. Sit here on the ground. Uh, I've been in circles where that was like the thing. 
So that is a kind of a gift of, of a manifestation of a gift of healing. Now, just a quick testimony. When I was born, I was born with my legs turned backwards. And the doctor said I would never walk normally. And they told me that I would have to have braces on my legs in order to be able to walk when I got older, a lot like Forrest Gump. I'm not a smart man, Jenny. <laughs> That's what they said. But my parents took me to this healing meeting of these people called the hunters. They were the happy hunters. Anybody ever heard of the happy hunters? A couple, yeah. So the happy hunters, the hunters prayed for me and my legs turned around. And to this day, they're still straight. I can still walk, never had any braces. Come on. That was a manifestation of the gift of healing, right? So this was a gift that they walked in. Uh, Peter, in the, in the Bible, Peter would heal people with his shadow. He would walk by and his shadow would fall on people and people would be healed, right? Supernatural, miraculous healings from his shadow. Uh, Paul, he would uh, heal people with handkerchiefs that he'd touched and aprons that he'd worn and they would take them to people and they would be healed. How many of you know who Lester Summerall is? I believe it's Lester Summerall. I'm like 90% sure of this story, but I believe he used to wear these rags on, under his suit and he would preach in the, in the suit in the, with the rags and then they'd give them to people and they'd take them to people and get healed. Now, one time, and this is a story I've heard, so I'm only 90% positive this is what happened. But one time, there was a person who had a, uh, a relative who was insane in an insane asylum. And they couldn't bring these little rags from Lester Summerall into the uh, facility because every time they did, all the patients would go crazy. And so they outlawed them and they'd check people's stuff when they were bringing it in so they couldn't get it in. So one of the relatives of the people came to Lester Summerall and said, they won't let us get these in. Could you just stick this piece of candy in your pocket while you preach? Because I can sneak this piece of candy into him. So he preached with this piece of candy in his pocket took it to the place, the person took the piece of candy to their relative that was in the insane asylum, the person stuck it in their mouth and was instantly delivered and set free and left. Now, personally, that sounds a little gross. He's sweating, preaching all over this candy and he's like, here, eat this. Whatever it takes, right? Now, here's, here's the thing about it. The gifts of healing come in different manifestations because people have faith for it. And every manifestation requires someone to have faith. And the people that I've hung out with that were like, hey, you got a headache? It's probably because your leg's shorter than the other. Sit down, let's grow your leg out. You know what? They have faith. They have faith for that. And they sit down and you can watch people's legs grow out. You have some people that have this ability to, to heal people with uh, back problems or headaches or cancer or whatever it might be. And it's because when you see it happen where they're consistently healing the same kind of thing, it's because they have faith for that specific thing. But you know what? If they expanded their faith just a little bit more, they could do all sorts of different kinds of healings. Because it's something that God has given them. Okay? So every single uh, uh, gift of the Spirit requires faith for us to operate in it. So if you have a word of knowledge, 
and you have that gift, do you realize that it takes faith in order to operate in that, to actually go and tell somebody what that word is? And that gift comes by faith. You have to believe it. So when we talk about these gifts, you cannot talk about these gifts without first talking about faith. It's absolutely necessary for the functioning of the gift. And so Romans chapter 12, 6 says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them in proportion to our faith. Now in context, it's talking about prophecy, but this is a general principle for every single one of the gifts. There must be faith to use it. How many of you have ever uh, been working with someone to receive the gift of speaking in tongues and they just can't seem to do it? And you say, okay, let's pray. Let's receive the Holy Spirit. They pray the prayer and then they just stand there like this. And you're like, okay, you have to do something. You're like, oh, I have to do something? That thing that they have to do requires faith. Okay, so faith is an action. Faith is something that has to be done in order for the Spirit of God to come behind it and fill it with its power and cause the supernatural power of God to manifest in somebody's life. So it takes faith when you're receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues to actually open your mouth engage your vocal cords, start moving your lips. It takes faith. So every single one of these gifts requires faith and we use it in proportion to our faith. Now here's the danger, okay? Here's the danger. The danger is that we begin to have faith in faith. You get that? We begin to have faith in faith that we start thinking it's the faith that does the healing, that it's the faith that does the prophecy, that it's the faith that does the supernatural act of miracles, but it is not the faith that does it. It is God that does it, and we can't heal anyone, but God can. So the danger is that we start believing in the power of faith to heal, right? Okay, so this is where a lot of the Christian world starts getting it wrong, and they start talking about all these ways and all these things that you have to do to start increasing your faith, and all these different things that happen in life where, where we have to pray enough, and if you go and pray in this cave for 10 days and fast, then you'll come out and you'll have more faith to be able to, to minister healing to someone or whatever it might take. And, and people start saying, if you read your Bible more, if you're quoting scripture, if you're fasting, if you're praying a couple hours a day, all of a sudden, then your faith will be strong enough to be able to do these kinds of things. But that's not how it works. The, the same faith that you used to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior is the same faith that you use to receive your healing or to minister healing to another person or to speak in tongues or to give a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. It's that exact same faith. If you have enough faith to receive salvation, then you have enough faith to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Did you know that? 
You do. It's the exact same faith because it's not faith in us. It's not faith in my works. It's not faith in my faith. It's not faith in my words. It's faith in the power of God and what he said he would do. And because he said he would do it, then we step out in faith and we speak that word and we lay hands on that person. We anoint them with oil. We give that word of knowledge. We do whatever God asks us to do in that moment because we believe God. That his power is more than enough. That it's not about me. It's about him. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. is telling the story of a crippled man who was healed. And uh, says they put him at the gate beautiful. For 38 years he was there. 38 years. And so Peter and John, they're walking into the gate and all of a sudden they look over at the man and he, he asks them for something. And Peter and John walk over and they say, silver and gold have I none. But what I have, I'll give to you. Who knows the song? Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. Am I, I heard like one other person. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, there's a couple more. <laughs> so... They walk over to him. They say, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he gets up and he goes walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. Okay. So verse 12 says this. So when Peter saw that the people started reacting to them and saying it was, and started almost worshiping them, he says this, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as, thou, as, as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Did you catch that? I'm going to read it again. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? He says, it's not by our power. It's not by the power that dwells in me or dwells in my words or dwells in my hands. And when I feel my hands get warm, then I can minister healing power. That's not what it is. He says, it's not in me. Yeah. You think it's by my godliness? It's not by my godliness. I didn't pray enough. I didn't fast enough to get this. It's by the power of God and the faith in the name of Jesus. And this is what it says. And his name and through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So to operate in the gift of healing, to, to operate in any of the gifts takes faith. But it's not faith in faith. It's not faith in our works that we've been praying enough that we've been fasting enough, that we've done any of those things enough. It's faith in the power of God, the name of Jesus, the love of God, his promises to us that he said we could lay hands on the sick and they would be healed. It's that kind of faith that inspires us to get up out of our chair and walk across the room and lay hands on that person that needs healing. So it's faith. Smith Wigglesworth. Some of you probably heard this story. How many of you know who Smith Wigglesworth is? So many. This is good. 
is good. I'm preaching to the choir, aren't I? How many of you, with a show of hands, operate fairly regularly in the gift of healing? Way more than I thought. This is awesome. I am preaching to the choir. Smith Wigglesworth, there's this story. This is what faith looks like. There's this story of a woman who had a big tumor, and I, I heard it a long time ago, so this is going to be a poor representation of the story, but she had a big tumor, I think, in her, in her stomach, and she came to healing. She couldn't, she couldn't stand, so she came, and she had her two friends helping her, and they were holding her up, and she comes to Smith Wigglesworth for prayer, and he says, let her go to the two friends, and the two friends let her go, and she just falls on the ground, and he says, pick her up, and so they pick her up. And he's standing there and he says, let her go. And so they let her go and she falls on the ground again. (laughs) And he says, pick her up. And they pick her up. She's standing there and he says, let her go. And this man stands up from the audience and says, leave her alone. (laughs) And, And Smith Wigglesworth turns to the man and he says this. He says, I know my business. You mind yours. Let her go. And they let her go again. And she falls again. And the tumor rolls out and the lady's totally healed. That's faith. That no matter what it looks like, no matter what the opposition, no matter how many people are are coming against you and saying that you're being foolish or you're being dangerous or whatever it might be, or you chose the wrong church or you chose the wrong leader or you chose the wrong profession or whatever it might be, and you hear God and you go and do what he's told you to do, that's faith. Beyond all opposition... Dick Iverson, he was a a pastor when I was a kid. He started an organization called Ministers Fellowship International, which has churches in, I think, over 120 nations. Uh, How many of you have ever heard of Dick Iverson? He's a great man. Uh, I think he passed away a few years ago. When He was part of the Latter Rain Movement, and in the Latter Rain Movement, they had a lot of miracles. And uh, he was... what I would consider a healing evangelist at the time. And so he went in to one of his first engagements in a church, and it was a small church, and he walked in, and he said to the people, he said, who here has some kind of a healing that they need that everyone else in here would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God healed you if you got healed? And so this guy raises his hand, and he comes up, and he's got uh, a broken leg, and he can't walk, and people have to help him up to the front. And so he's like, oh, broken leg, that's a little more serious than I thought. And inside, he said he had this turmoil, this fight to be able to stand in faith in this. And so he tells the guy, okay, we're going to pray for you, prayed for him. And then he said, now run. And so the guy starts running. <laughs> and Dick Iverson said, I had something just come over me, this supernatural urge and almost like anger where I just yelled out at the top of my lungs, I said, run. And so the guy's shocked, just starts running. And all of a sudden, just one step after another, starts just booking it around the room and total manifestation of healing happened. But he had to push past that initial and operate in the power of God and see that gift in operation. Now, it, it takes faith to operate in any kind of gift of the Spirit, right? So all the gifts are available to us by faith, and when we operate by faith and we step out, these gifts can enter into a manifestation in reality 
in this life where we all live. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people misunderstand what faith is. And they mix up what faith and hope are. And this is how it works. Faith is the action resulting from hope. Okay? Faith is action resulting from hope. Faith's source is hope. Or another way of saying it would be faith's foundation is hope. Now, this is what hope is, okay? A lot of people think hope is just wishing. It's just wishing something would happen. Oh, I hope this will happen. I hope that the tent isn't too hot tonight. I hope that they have popsicles afterwards so that I can get cooled down. You know, they think it's this wishing, but that's not what hope is. That's not what hope is. Here's the best story that I, I have to illustrate it. We used to live up on this island up on the Canadian border. We're Americans, not Canadians. I know I sound like I'm Canadian, but I'm not. I'm an American. Uh, but we lived on this island, and we had this lake on it called Mountain Lake. And it was a four-mile lake. And when you're out there, there is no light if the sun goes down and the moon's not up. Zero. And so these two ladies, they were walking around the lake and the sun went down and it got completely black, dark, no moon, nothing. They couldn't walk. They were stuck on the far side of this four mile lake and couldn't make it the remaining two miles to get back to their vehicle. And so they spent the night in the dark, singing, dancing, trying to keep themselves warm, doing anything they could in earnest expectation of the sunrise, okay? That's hope. It's waiting with earnest expectation of something that you know is going to happen. It's something that you know is coming, like the sun. You know the sun's gonna rise, and you're waiting with earnest expectation for it to be revealed. That's hope. And that's where faith flows out of. This knowing that it's going to happen, knowing that God is true to his word, if he said it, it will be done, and this hope rises on the inside of you where you have this earnest expectation of what you know is going to come. And when you know it's going to come, that drives you to these acts of faith, this action, this word, speaking a word, or walking, or whatever it might be. Think about um, Peter when he walked on the water. Peter, when he walked on the water, first of all, he tricked Jesus. I don't know if you're aware of that. He said to Jesus, Jesus, if it's you... Tell me to walk on the water. What is Jesus going to do? Say, it's not me. It's not me, Peter. Stay in the boat. He tricked him. It was a dirty trick. But Peter, in earnest expectation of him being able to do it, if Jesus said it, took a step of faith. It was something real. He had to do something real. So in earnest expectation and hope, of what he knew was possible because Jesus said, come, he took a step. So faith flows from hope. So a lot of times people are, are trying to grow their faith and they're trying to do all this stuff, but they don't understand that faith is actually just doing something. It's something real. How many of you have ever seen the movie Faith Like Potatoes? 
one of the most fantastic movies ever. It's real. It's something real. It's not just a, a feeling you get on the inside and you're like, I'm full of faith. No, full of faith means that you're doing something. It's taking that step. It's sowing that seed. It's ministering to that person. It's marrying that girl. You know, whatever it is, that's faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I'm going to read it again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now hope and faith are to be operated by love. Hope and faith are be, to be operated by love. Galatians 5 verse 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Now I've been parts of circles of people who were really into healing. And they would go and minister healing to all sorts of people. And it was fantastic. People were getting healed. But I noticed something. We would go out in the streets and start praying for people. And the ministers, it was almost like a high. Where they would go from this person to this person to this person. And it's almost like they were getting a high from ministering healing to these people. But they weren't actually caring about the person. And if a person didn't receive, they didn't care. They just move on to the next person. They might sometimes even say something that was not very kind. And they would move on to the next person. That is never how it's supposed to operate. Faith is always supposed to operate through love. Love should always be the motivation. You look at it in the life of Jesus. It says that Jesus saw the, the hurting, the sick, the, the, the lame. He saw them and he had compassion on him. And what that word compassion means is this deep gut pain. Like he knew, it was like he got punched in the stomach when he saw him because he was so filled with love and compassion for them that he couldn't help but go and minister healing to them. It wasn't going from one person to another and getting as many people to just say the prayer as they can and ministering some healing. It was investing in that person's soul, ministering to them for body, soul, spirit, everything. Really engaging with that person, sitting with that person, getting to know that person, feeling their pain and their struggles and ministering to them where they're at. I've heard stories of, um, I forget her name, blonde lady in Africa. So many people talked, I couldn't hear. Heidi Baker, I think. Heidi Baker just holding people and rocking back and forth and singing and praying in the spirit. That's love where you meet them right where they are, that you're not in a hurry to get on to that next person. You're there to minister God's love to them. You're there to minister everything that God has shown you and pour it out onto them. So faith is supposed to work by love. And I'm going to tell you guys a little story about myself. There was this time where I had just made a decent amount of money 
uh, I'm a, a builder, I build houses. I'm, I just sold this house, I had a decent amount of money. I could afford to take some time off of work, so I decided that I was gonna not go build another house, but I was gonna take however long it took and pray in the spirit just like it was my job. So for three months, I went in my closet and for eight hours a day, I prayed in the spirit. Now I say that, no, I did take some long lunches. <laughs> but almost eight hours a day for three months, I went and prayed in the spirit in my closet because I wanted the ability to heal people. I wanted that gift of healing. And you know what happened? At the end of the three months, I felt further away from God than the beginning of the three months. It's like the heavens had been shut and my prayers weren't making it past the ceiling. And you think, oh, this guy's awesome. He went and sacrificed and did this great thing. And he was out there and he was, he was praying in the spirit for eight hours a day and doing what it takes to have these, these gifts given to him. And all this, you know, I, I went in thinking that that's what would get me the gift. And I ended up further from God, out of relationship, out of communion with the Father because of it. And I couldn't understand it. It's like, God, what's going on? Why do I feel further from you? And it took about 10 months for him to explain it to me. And about 10 months later, he spoke to me about it and he said, son, I could never give you what you were asking for because what you were asking for was selfish ambition. It was to make yourself be the man, to have people recognize you as someone who's full of faith, the man of God, powerful, healing the sick. I can't give you that. That would destroy you. And it was a long road to restore my relationship with the Father because I had set out in selfish ambition to earn the gift of healing. First Corinthians 13 says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. I am thoroughly convinced the order needs to be reversed. It should be love. Really understanding the love of the Father. Really understanding how much He loves us. He loved us so much that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, while you were your worst, while you were going to all the parties, while you were doing all those things, having those attitudes, having those thoughts, doing those actions, while you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he gave his son. 
And if he gave his son when you were at your worst, how much more does he love you now? How much more does he care for you now? Really understanding the love of God for us. And then when we start understanding how much he loves us, then we start seeing, oh my gosh, he loves that person too. Even though they're dead in their trespasses and sins, even though they're doing these things that are bringing it on themselves, he loves them that much too. And when you understand that love, that love gives birth to hope. This understanding that if God does it for me, he can do it for them. If God did it this time, he'll do it again. That if he'll heal this person, he will heal that person. And this hope starts rising up on the inside of you. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're driven in faith to take a step towards that person. To wrap your arms around that person. To look them in the eye and show them the love of the Father. And when that love is in operation, faith works by love and miracles happen. This is the gift of healing that's available to us. Yesterday, today's Sunday, right? Yeah, Sunday, Saturday, yesterday, I was on the way to my office to finish up my notes for today. And I stopped and I washed my truck. I got this nice truck. It's black and shiny, this deep black. It's got these red hooks coming out the front toe hooks that just like make it sparkle. It's kind of like, you know, when those people shave lines in the side of their head and it's just that little something that's like, look at me. That's what these little red hooks are like. They're like, look at me. Or, you know, like when hipsters wear the little round hats, it's like, hey, look at me, I got a hat. <laughs> Did I just say that out loud? Okay, so I got this nice truck. I got this nice truck. And so I stop at the car wash, and I'm washing it. And, and I go through the wash, and then I get out, and I'm drying it. And uh, I always start on the hood on the driver's side, and I dry off the hood. I move my way around the other side, and I do my grill last. And as I'm doing my grill, I'm drying off all the water spots so it doesn't, or the water so it doesn't leave spots. As I'm doing that, I'm drying off my grill of my truck and getting down to those shiny red tow hooks, and I hear the father say, why do you love your truck? And before, with, without even skipping a beat, just instantly I was like, because it was a gift. Why do you love your truck? Because it was a gift. Now here's the story. I own a company with four other guys. And my wife and I, our only vehicle for a while was this 93 Jeep Wrangler that would just mysteriously die. <laughs> Seriously, mysteriously die every once in a while and you have to pull over turn it off for five seconds, and then you can turn it back on, and then start driving again. Then five minutes later, do the same thing. Still don't know what the problem is. And so my guys, my four guys that I own a company with, they didn't like that. So they bought me a truck. I didn't know I was getting it. I didn't know what kind of truck it was, and they ended up getting me the nicest truck. It's so nice. It's outside. You guys can look at it afterwards. <laughs> I'll just, uh, Look at me, I got a hat. <laughs> Why do you love your truck? Because it was a gift. And all of a sudden I started coming to an understanding of what he was asking me. 
He was asking me about the gift of healing. And I had this thing happen a few years back where my mom died. She was believing for healing. She was a woman of faith. She was fantastic. She was believing till the day she died. And she died in faith, believing for her healing. And what happened was, it caused pain in my heart. It hurt. We were believing in faith. And she died. And the result was, I took that gift of faith, and I just kind of set it aside. That gift of healing, and I just kind of set it aside. I was like, I'll take these other gifts, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I'll take these gifts, speaking in tongues. I'll do that. But I put the gift of healing aside and didn't pursue it. And God showed me something. He showed me that I didn't recognize the gift that I'd been given in the gift of healing that this was a gift from him. My, my partners in my business gave me a truck. The thing that qualified for me for receiving that gift was being in relationship to them. Them loving me. My friends love me. And they gave me a gift. How would they have felt if I just left the truck in the driveway where they delivered it. I said, oh, thanks guys, that's nice, and walked away. Never touched it, never looked at it. Just kind of ignored it. Maybe mentally assented to the truck every once in a while, but never once took it out and drove it. How do you think the father feels when he's given us these gifts and we choose to just put them aside. To not try to exercise our faith in them, not look at them, not study them, not take it to the car wash and wash it and shine it. This is a gift from our Father. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says this, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You know what that means? It means that the spiritual gifts are available to you. And too often, we dismiss the fact that we don't pursue it and say, oh, that gift's not for me. That's for somebody else. The Holy Spirit administers gifts how he wants to. That's not for me. But this says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Do you think Paul's just hanging this spiritual carrot out there that you can never have it because the Holy Spirit hasn't given it to you? You can only pursue the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit's given to you. No, he has given every single one of these spiritual gifts to use. They are accessible and available to you. And all you have to do is pursue them, apply your faith to them, believe God for them, and step out and use them. Don't allow yourself to push aside the gift of God that he has given to you. 
Every single one of the gifts operates by faith. Every single one. Every single gift requires us to take it, to pick it up, to learn about it, to look at it from different angles, and then to start exercising our faith to use it. Waco needs you. Waco needs you. Waco is crying out for someone to pick up the gifts that God has given them and start using them. There are hurting people out there. There are lonely people out there. And God has given you access to these spiritual gifts to use. I don't want to leave my father's gift off to the side and just ignore it. I had to repent yesterday when he started showing me that I had not paid it enough attention to his gift. And you know why? It's because that gift had caused pain. There was pain in my heart. Every time I went to lay hands on someone, I'd remember my mom. It was hard to believe. And so I just ignored that gift. But in the same way that my relationship to my partners in my business qualified me for that gift, my relationship to the Father has qualified me for this gift. And if I had to earn it by praying eight hours a day for three months, then it wouldn't be a gift. God is waiting for people who will in boldness and courage say, I'll be that person. I'll pick up that gift, Father. I'm sorry that I didn't pick it up sooner. I'm sorry that I let some theologian tell me that the Spirit only gives it to certain people or tell me that it's not even in operation anymore. I'm sorry, Father. I'll pick that up. I'll use that gift. I'll minister to those hurting people. But Father, first break my heart with your love. Help me to feel what you feel for that person. Break my heart with your love for that person. Father, I want to be whole in you. And I want to minister wholeness to everyone you bring before me. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 20 says this. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. 
I heard a preacher tell this story a long time ago about an African tribe who they were trying to translate this verse and they couldn't translate it. The only way they could think of to translate it was to say, the vessel closest to the door. And what that means is in their uh, huts, in their dwellings, they would have a vessel that they'd use for water and they'd use it every day. And they kept that one closest to the door. And so if they were going out, they'd grab that vessel every time. Right? And the vessels that they didn't use were over collecting dust in a different part of the house. But the vessel closest to the door, that's the one that they used every day. God says, if we will cleanse ourselves, that we will be vessels fit for his use. We can be those vessels closest to the door. We can be the ones that he grabs to use when he sees that person hurting. When he sees that single mom that doesn't have enough food for their kids, you could be that vessel closest to the door. When he sees that person who's been sitting on the road begging for years, he knows he can trust this vessel. I know that Abe's clean. I know that he's ready. I know that he's cleansed himself and he'll grab the vessel closest to the door and he'll say, Abe, quick, minister to that person. Or whether it's healing, whether it's words of knowledge, whether it's acts of faith, whatever it is, works of miracles, God wants to use us. And he's given us a proposition. He says, if you will cleanse yourself, you'll be fit for use. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful. We're so grateful why you chose to use someone like us. While I was dead in my trespasses and sins, you sent your son Jesus. I hadn't done anything to earn it. In fact, I did everything to not deserve it. But in your great mercy, you gave me the gift of your son. Oh, Father, we're so grateful. Father, forgive us for trying to earn your power. Forgive us for trying to earn your favor. For thinking if we just pray more, if we just fast more, that it'll somehow earn your power, your favor, your gifts. Father, forgive us for not paying attention to your gifts, for just going on with our lives and only thinking about our needs and forgetting about the gifts that you've given us to expand territory, to minister to your body. Father, forgive us for not cleansing ourselves we want to be the vessels closest to the door. Father, we want to be fit for your use. Father, show us your heart. Give us your love. 
put a foundation of hope, an earnest expectation for what you're going to do. And then, Father, give us faith, your faith. Faith in you, that you really are a good God, that you really will do what you said you would do. And as we do, Father, expand territory through us. Father, I ask that you would heal hearts today. All the people who have had disappointment in this area, who have believed and haven't received. Father, I ask you to restore their hope. Restore their hope. Heal hearts this morning, Father. Give them a hope. Father, I thank you that the gift of healing is available to us, every single one of us. Father, I thank you that you want to minister to Waco, that you want to use your people, your vessels, to pour out healing to people in Waco to expand territory, to drive back the darkness, to see families healed, people stuck in addiction set free, people with mental illnesses and demon possession set free, this community transformed because of your love and a hope that rises from within your people. Father, we thank you that the work that you began, you will be faithful to complete. So Father, use your people here in Waco. Help them to believe and receive this gift. In the name of Jesus. Now, here's the most dangerous thing you could do tonight. Is to take a message like this and add it to your theological repertoire. That's how Pharisees are created. You have to take this gift. Take it. Look at it. Receive it. Apply your faith to it and start using it. It doesn't mean every person you lay hands on is going to get well. It doesn't mean every leg that you try and grow out will grow out. It doesn't mean that every headache will go away, every cancer patient will be healed, everybody in a wheelchair will get up. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean is that you have hope that God will be faithful to his word and you go with earnest expectation and put actions to your faith. And I guarantee you, if you do not lose heart, you will see healings happen. You will see miracles happen. You will see families restored. You will see people set free. Don't allow this to just be another message. 
but determine in your heart, make a quality decision in your heart that tonight, tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're going to take this gift and you're going to look at it and you're going to ask God, okay, God, how do I apply this gift today? How do I receive this gift today? Do you receive it? You receive it? This is a gift from your father. This is a gift from your father. Love it. Love it. Treasure it. Value it. Because he does. And he values you. And he believes in you. Amen? Amen. Thank you guys very much. It's been an honor to be here with you guys tonight. Vanessa. just um, felt in my spirit one thing specifically after um, Pastor Abe was closing. He, he touched on it briefly of um, the love of the Father. And I just felt like maybe there's some in the room here that need to be given a revelation of what that means. Um, so I just want to create an opportunity, if that's you, just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm just going to pray over you. So Lord, I just pray over your sons and your daughters tonight, God, those that may not know what it means to be loved by their Father in heaven. Maybe those that who have had fathers, earthly fathers who, who abused that love. Or maybe those that have had absent fathers, but love has been manipulated. Lord, I just pray over every single one of them right now, Holy Spirit, that you would so sweetly and so tenderly come and clarify what it is to be loved by a good, good Father, what a pure love looks like, what an unconditional love feels like. Lord, I ask that as you give them that revelation of love, would their hearts be softened to be able to receive gifts from their Father? Would you come quickly? Would you come, Father? Would you just speak to your sons and your daughters? Would you whisper in their ears? Would you bring healing to their hearts? I pray for blind eyes to be open, God, that they would see what a father's love is. Lord, and that we would receive every gift that you have for us because you are so good. So we just thank you, Jesus. Thank you, we thank you, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Abe. Thank you.